You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. There's a lot to go over. Holy shit, there's a lot to go over. And we don't have a whole lot of time to go over it. But we're going to get through everything as best as we can. Welcome again. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all doing safe. Um, Fastlane was a bit of a meh pay-per-view from start to middle. But it got really, really good towards the middle of the end. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're talking about Andrade's official release from WWE this week and the story behind that and what kind of all went down. The rumor and the speculation, the innuendo, and all that other fun shit. Um, Mania matches being made for uh, WrestleMania because WWE's like, oh shit, Mania's coming up and we have hardly any matches announced. Well, you should probably fucking do that. Uh, some Hall of Fame inductees, the NXT TakeOver card, which I'm very much looking forward to, and I'm very excited about that, and the things that are going on outside of the world of pro wrestling. Well, not the outside of pro wrestling. Uh, outside of WWE with AEW and a few other things going on. A little bit of impact, which tie in with AEW, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, and also some New Japan stuff as well, because uh, Will Ospreay is on a fucking roll right now. Um, but you know what? Let's talk a little bit about Will Ospreay for a minute. So recently, Will Ospreay, he won the New Japan uh, Golden Cup, Pro Wrestling Cup. I'm, I'm not exactly sure the particular name of it. Just forgive me if I get that wrong. Okay, I watch as much New Japan as I can, but there's so much wrestling to watch. It's just like, oh, fuck. You know? So, yeah. But I'm a big fan of Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay uh, was Wrestler of the Year for me in 2019. Uh, he was putting out the best matches with guys like Shingo Takagi, uh, guys like uh, Dragon Lee or Ryu Lee, whatever he goes by these days. Um, you know, he was putting out the best matches against guys. You know, and even earlier in that year of 2019, he had that amazing opening match at Wrestle Kingdom against Kota Ibushi for the never open uh, heavyweight championship. You know, and then I, I, I saw him at the uh, MSG show where he faced Jeff Cobb at the beginning, beginning of that pay-per-view. Like, Will Ospreay is, to me, still, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And right now, he's on a run of his career. He won the uh, the, the, the tournament. At the end, uh, out comes Kota Ibushi. And, you know, and as the the thing ends, he hits an os cutter to his real-life girlfriend, B. Priestley. Which is shocking. And he cuts a promo uh, backstage uh, to the quote-unquote press. And says, I'm sure you guys have a lot of questions. And if I can find the quote here of what Osprey said. He said something along the lines of... He says to Ibushi, You're not God. And I'm not the devil. I'm a non-believer. And... If I could do that to someone I say that I love more than anything, I thought I love, imagine what the fuck I'm going to do to you. So, 
I believe Bree Priestley is officially out of the Empire faction. But now, will now I just now I want Osprey to become world champion. I want him to be the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. I don't know if they're gonna do it. I don't know if they're gonna pull the trigger on him because I feel like maybe Kenny Omega could still swoop in at some time to take the title off of Ibushi. But we don't. I mean, we really don't know when that's going to happen. We really don't know when New Japan guys who are in Japan gonna come over to the states or vice versa. Uh, I know that you know Walter has come over to NXT and Pete Dunne's back in NXT now. Uh, and pack over in AEW, but I don't know. I think, um, honestly, I mean, I, I, I think we're gonna be. It's gonna be a while. So if anything, let's just put the title on Osprey, give him a give him a, a run with the title, and then just have Ibushi win it back, and then you could still match with Kenny Omega for like a Wrestle Kingdom down the line. That's what I think should happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Will Osprey, man, he is. Just thought I I love that he finally that he's turned heel, and that he's kind of being himself. Not that he wasn't being himself, but that he can show a different side to his character. That he can do more. That he's more than just you know the the flippy guy with the with the with the match that broke the internet with Ricochet, you know. And I think he's proved that over the past couple of years, you know, with the matches he's had. With like I said, with Shingo Takagi, which is maybe his best match ever. Uh, with Ryu Lee, Dragon Lee, at the Dominion pay-per-view, like a few weeks later or so. You know, his match with Kota Ibushi that I mentioned. You know, his match with Ricochet. Uh, he had a great match with Pac at a Rev Pro show, I believe. His matches with uh, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, the match matches he's had with Okada. Just the, the list goes on and on and on for Will Ospreay, and he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. And he's fucking amazing. And I'm, I cannot wait to see. I hope he wins the, the world title. I really hope he does. But moving on, just want to give a quick little shout-out to Osprey. Haven't talked about him on a minute in this podcast. Let's step over to WWE real quickly, and we'll talk a little bit about the Fastlane pay-per-view. Um, I pretty much liked everything that was going on from the middle of this show to the very end, because the beginning just felt like an episode of Raw or SmackDown with the booking they were doing. So I'm not really going to get into that. I will get into first Alexa Bliss versus Randy Orton. Um, I really wasn't sure what they're going to do. I felt like there was going to be some cinematic stuff in this match, but and I was right, there was. You know, with Alexa Bliss trying to kill Randy, <laughs> throwing fire at him and making light fixtures fall in front of him. Um, you know, to the point where we see a burnt hand coming up in the middle of the ring, and it's the fiend, and he hits the sister Abigail on Alexa Bliss, uh, on Randy Orton. And then Alexa Bliss just sits on top of him, and they get the literally sits on top of him, like on top, like like she's riding him or something. Uh, and hits the one, two, three, which apparently got real life heat with with Randy's wife Kim Orton, and didn't like how things were going. And she said, "Alexa Bliss at Alexa Bliss WWE, you might have just fucked up, little girl." Um, and apparently, according to back to sources, that's one hundred percent a shoot, and that she's legitimately pissed off. I mean. I'm sure any other woman would be if they're married married to Randy Orton, but that's besides the point. The Fiend is back, and he looks <laughs> he looks like uh, Chucky at the end of Child's Play. I never watched the Chucky movies, but if for those of you who have seen it, and I've seen the picture. That's kind of what he looks like. He's all burnt up. He's like, like the Fiend had to come back with a new look 
because he was burned alive by Randy Orton back in December. He had to come back with a new look because he couldn't just come back as the regular Fiend. He couldn't just come back. He had to evolve the character. He had to do something new with the character. And and he just looks like a total fucking scary-ass badass. I love it. And it makes me excited for WrestleMania for Randy Orton and The Fiend. And even though the the build-up to a lot of this stuff may have been hit or miss, you know, you could argue that some things have been going on a little too long. Some things have, you know, it's like, well, what are you doing here? And some outright confusing things are going on with this feud. But overall, I think that this will be a fun match at Mania. Uh, no word of this will be like a Firefly Funhouse-esque type of match. We don't know if it will just be a straight-up match. But I say go with the cinematic match because it really worked last year. But I don't know. Because there's fans in attendance, that's probably why they're going to do that. And, and I think that's why they did you know stuff for like Taker and AJ with the Boneyard match. And then they did the Firefly Funhouse match with Cena and, and Wyatt last year. But we'll have to wait and see. But uh, the... the just the visual of the fiend coming back was just it looks so great it looks so great and i cannot wait and in a way that's one good thing wwe is doing these days is be, is the whole thing with them making the fiends feel special you know at one point he was showing up on raw every week it's like that, that doesn't make him feel special you know yeah he's a full-time wrestler but you know, utilize your character. If you you want the fiend to be an attraction, and that's why he's a character who doesn't necessarily need to be the champion. He doesn't need to go after the championship. You know, he doesn't need to do that. So just let him be an attraction. I don't think the fiend should be champion or come close to it, not for a long time. You know, until it starts to make sense. But right now, I'm liking this. Uh, the fiend looks fucking awesome, and I can't wait to see what what happens next. Um. The other big thing that happened at Fastlane, um, well, one, I just want to say that I'm glad uh, Nakamura got a got a pay-per-view match against Rollins. It's a pretty good match. I liked it. Rollins was the obvious winner, though. Um, just want to say that really quickly. But Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Now, that was a hell of a main event. That was an amazing match. And Edge, I really thought with Edge being there, it was just kind of just a way of like, oh, well, here you know, it's here's Edge, the special reinforcement. I don't know. Because he didn't do much, you know, towards the, until towards the end. However, once it got towards the end, things really started to pick up with Edge. You know, this match was very much, you know, Brian was getting Roman in very, various different submission holds and, you know, it was getting really, really... They really made you believe he was going to do it, that Brian was going to tap Roman, and he was just going to... He's getting him in ankle locks and heel hooks and the yes lock and arm bars and triangle, uh, you know, uh, triangle holds. Like, he was getting them in every single submission you could think of, and the way he was maneuvering and stretching Roman, you know. Roman was coming down to earth. It's just like, damn, I underestimated this guy. You know, because on SmackDown, he had said something like, um, you know... I would much I would rather die in the ring than tap and I would rather lose an arm than tap to Daniel actually I'd rather lose an arm than tap in the ring and I'd rather die than tap to Daniel Bryan but as the match had progressed you know at one point you know uh Roman has standing in front of the referee and as he moves back uh he moves out of the way uh Bryan hits him with the with the running knee so he's got you know now the referee's out so Edge comes in and he fills in as the uh, as the 
ring enforcer, I guess the referee, in case the referee goes down. So Roman tries going for a pin and kicks out at two. And Roman's like, you know, come on. It's like, oh, I'll really? He's kicked out at two? And Edge is like, don't worry about me. Worry about him. He's who you got to worry about right now. Just worry about him. And as the match continues, Jay Uso comes in and tries to do the interference. He hits every. He's taking out everybody. He's, t- he's taking out Daniel Bryan. He's taking out Edge, and he tries to get the sealed chair. But Bryan comes out and br- Bryan gets up, grabs the chair from Jay Uso, whacks Jay Uso with the chair, whacks Roman with the chair, I believe. And then as he tries to hit Roman, he actually hits Edge by mistake. I'm like, all right, now I really see where this is going. So at one point, Bryan actually got. The, we actually got the visual of Roman passing out and tapping out. We got the visual tap of Roman Reigns. It was an official tap as far as like, oh, Roman Reigns taps and, and Daniel Bryan's the winner. No, it, it's we got the first time Roman actually tapped out. And seeing that visual just makes... Automatically when I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is a triple threat for Mania. This is a triple threat because the whole Edge and Roman thing was kind of not really working, you know, the, the, it's a big money match on paper, but it wasn't really like just something with the build, just something wasn't there, but then you insert Brian and it's just like, this is a new, you know, it's a, um, a breath of fresh air, essentially, you know, it's, it just, you know, here we are seven years later and we want Daniel Bryan, the main event of WrestleMania in a triple threat match. And it's, it's not even, and it's, it's just crazy, really. And I guess let's just go back to the match because then at one point Edge comes in, he takes out Brian and Roman. And he is furious and he's livid. And he's like, you're not going to take take this away from me. You're not going to take what, what's mine. And he storms off. New referee comes in. Roman comes and hit and just gets his arm over Daniel Bryan and Roman wins the match. Immediately, I'm like, this this is a triple threat. This is a triple threat. There's no doubt about it. Because it Brian needed this. Something, again, like I said, something with the Roman and Edge build, just something wasn't clicking. But this works. Also, you know, we still have we can still save that big Edge uh, singles pay-per-view match for another day. And yes, you want to kind of do it, Mania. You want to have like that, because Roman versus Edge is a big money match. It's it's a big, big match. But is it a match that needs the title necessarily? No, not really. It doesn't. I feel like we could still probably get Edge versus Roman at SummerSlam, maybe. I think that's possible. We could probably still get that, you know, because we could probably get, let's say, let's say Brian wins the title at Mania. Then we can get Edge versus Brian for the for the remainder of the summer until we reach SummerSlam, and then Brian can move on to another opponent, and then you can do Edge versus Roman at SummerSlam, because I think that would work out. Because I or you could do a thing where Roman wins, and then you build up to a match against Big E for SummerSlam, because I feel like Apollo Cruz is going to take the Intercontinental Championship away from Big E at WrestleMania at this point. Um, there's a lot of options you can do there, and there's a lot of things you can do because the way I see things going, because I think Brian should win, and I want him to win, because, because beforehand it was just like a oh, Roman or Edge. I'm just like I don't really care who wins. I'm just excited to see the match. If Edge wins, cool. If Roman wins, cool. It doesn't matter. Um, but for me, like now, it, it, I want it to be Brian. I want it to be Brian more than anybody. Uh, because I think we should give him one last run with the title 
And if you remember correctly, he's never had a decent babyface title run. You know, he won it from Cena, and then he got cashed in on Orton. He won it from Orton, and then they they had him strip the title because of due to technical because Scott Armstrong was counting too fast. Then he wins the world title at WrestleMania. He, uh, you know, he he's the world champion. We're all happy, but then he gets injured not too long after that. Um, he wins the WWE Championship from AJ Styles, but he turns heel, which is a great heel run. It's one of my favorite moments. Uh, uh, moments in Daniel Bryan's career is that, you know, uh the eco friendly Daniel Bryan when he when he lost the title to Kofi at Mania. Uh but we haven't seen him have a decent run with the world championship as a babyface. And I think we could really, really do a lot with Daniel Bryan as world champion. Cause cause look at the guys on SmackDown he could face. So obviously you can do a rematch with Roman. You can do a uh, uh uh, a match with Edge. I think they had a match years ago, back in like the, you know, the 2010s, maybe 2010, 2011, or something like that. But Daniel Bryan wasn't where he is now. You know, we could have a match between him and Seth Rollins at a pay per view. We've never seen a one on one match between Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan. Hold on a minute. I know they had matches against each other when Rollins was in the Shield. I mean, at a pay per view. Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan have never had a one on one match at a pay per view. And to have the world title on top of that will just, that could be a summer program right there. You could do matches between Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke Nakamura, Daniel Bryan and Big E, you know, Daniel Bryan and Jey Uso maybe. You know, there's a lot of guys you can work with with Daniel Bryan for the next several months. Like, if you want to give him the title at Mania and then have him drop it at SummerSlam, there's a lot you can do there. There is so much you can do there, and I think he should have one more championship run before he's done. He obviously won. He said this very well might be his last WrestleMania, whether that's storyline or kayfabe or real life. We don't know, but we should give it to him. We should give it to Brian just 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 for once, you know. I mean, the guy deserves it. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and he's one of the greatest wrestlers ever. This is, you know, and, and I'm not even getting into his his ROH indie uh, run as with his real name, Brian Danielson. You know, there's so much that we could do with Brian. I think we should do one last time because whether he's retiring or not soon, he definitely is going to be going into part-time wrestler status. So give him one last run, give him a full-time run as the champion, and then once he drops it, he can slowly start being a part-timer. It works. But I don't know if WWE is going to do that. Personally, I think that's what that's what needs to be done, and that's what should happen. And that's what should happen. Uh, a lot of people are speculating, oh, uh, you know, is this because the fans are calling on it or anything like that, and they're listening? And, and no, but the reason why is, I mean, I think it's actually pretty good. It's the reason why they've this is kind of the goes in with the WrestleVotes report of Vince kind of going back to square one for WrestleMania. And the reason being is simply because he wants Brian in the match. He just wants Brian in the match. I'm like, all right, cool. This is the first time I'm just like, all right, Vince, you actually made a, a good decision here, you know? Uh, and I'm excited for it. So Brian versus Roman versus Hedge is going to be a fun time. It's definitely going to be main event at night two. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait. Um but one person who we won't be seeing at WrestleMania is Andrade because he officially got released from WWE late of the night, like maybe like an hour after he uh, after Fastlane was over. 
And there's been a lot of rumors and speculation, innuendo as to, you know, the whole story. So I remember reading something kind of like the day after Fastlane when uh, it was announced that Andrade would got his release. Um, that being said, it, let me change if I can pull this thing up here. So apparently this is a, and if you don't know, Charlotte and Andrade in a relationship, they're, that, that's, uh, they're, they're engaged. So it says uh, apparently the full story hasn't officially broke yet, but the information being passed around to journalists from within the company is that Charlotte Flair threatened to walk if they didn't give Andrade his release. It's also being said that a few people like Ric Flair was involved behind Charlotte 100%. It's being speculated that WWE would, would only agree to the release if Charlotte sat at WrestleMania, thinking that she would choose the event over Andrade, which clearly she didn't. Um, the other thing is that apparently uh, on Twitter, you know, because Charlotte's been absent from Raw for quite some time, and she says, you're probably wondering what's going on. She says that I attested positive for COVID. Thank you all for all your love and support. And Andrade quote retweeted and said, like, you'll be cleared. You'll be cleared in four days. I'll see you soon, Mia Moore. Whatever he said. Now, that explains why Charlotte hasn't been on TV recently. But it doesn't explain why they've been taking off. Uh, they've been taking Charlotte off of the promo posters for WrestleMania, because she's been all all the promos. And then all of a sudden, she's been taken off. So that makes me wonder if this other story that I just said has some truth to it. I have to believe it does, because COVID. You know, she's only, she's been gone for quite some time. They started doing this before, roughly around the time she had to have gotten COVID. So, it, 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 I kind of have to believe this other story. I kind of have to. There has to be some truth to it. Because, I, I mean, look at the, we look at the trajectory of where the Raw Women's Championship storyline was going. We saw that Charlotte comes back in December, wins the tag team titles with Asuka. Then she gets to a feud with Lacey Evans because Ric Flair is now her. Ric Flair wants to manage her now. Then it was def, Lacey Evans was definitely going to win the Raw Women's Championship from Asuka. Then it would be Lacey Evans defending the title against Charlotte Flair. Charlotte wins the title and wins the title as a babyface. Nobody wants to fucking see that. Nobody wants to see the title picture, Charlotte in the title picture again, especially against Lacey Evans. This is not to discredit Charlotte. She's the best. But it's sometimes it's too much, okay? So then Lacey Evans gets pregnant in real life. Then they kind of scrap the match with Asuka at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. They kind of forget Asuka's the Raw Women's Champion. She has a pretty decent match with uh, Peyton Royce this week on Raw. And then Rhea Ripley finally makes her, her debut, challenges Asuka, and Asuka accept, accepts. So now it's Rhea Ripley versus Asuka at WrestleMania, which I'm happy about. I really am. And I, I don't necessarily, necessarily see Charlotte getting involved with Mania this time around, so close to it, and trying to weasel her way in as a triple threat match. I mean, she could. It's Charlotte Flair. They've done it before. Because I wouldn't mind a triple threat match where Rhea pins Charlotte and gets her win back, and then Rhea can feud with Asuka for the, for the summer and be like, hey, you didn't beat me. And then we can get a rubber match between Charlotte and Rhea at SummerSlam where, you know, hopefully Rhea can win the champion like defend the championship successfully and go on and be the woman the top babyface woman of the division no secret how big of a fan I am of, of Rhea Ripley and I have said before that I think she could be a much bigger star than even Becky Lynch and that's saying something I think she can 
in these times with COVID, um, it's kind of getting in the way. But I do feel like Rhea can really draw a young audience, and I feel like she, she's just a unique look. You know, we haven't really seen a wrestler like Rhea Ripley in the WWE before. The, the closest I can think of is maybe um, maybe Lita. Other than that, Rhea is very unique, and that's why I think she'll be a top a top star for years to come. And she's only 24 years old. Yeah, she's only 24 years old. So she's got her whole career ahead of her. Um. So yeah, it's Rhea Ripley versus Asuka at Mania. And I'm excited about that. The other thing, going back to the whole Andrade story real quickly, is that according to Meltzer, that uh, Andrade has no 90-day compete clause, so he can go wrestle wherever he wants. However, according to Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp, he is saying that Andrade does have a 90-day no, uh, no compete clause, so he has to wait the 90 days. These are very conflicting reports. Uh, I'm sure if within the 90 days we see Andrade jump to a different promotion, I'm sure we'll know what's going on with him. If he doesn't, then he had no... If, he, if, we, don't, if we don't see anything from him in 90 days, then he had a 90-day no-compete clause. But uh, I would imagine he doesn't have a 90-day no-compete clause because of how much stroke Charlotte probably has in the company. But anyway... Um, but now it's time for a little speculation time. Where's Andrade going to go? Where is he going to go? There's a lot of places Andrade can go and work. He can go to AAA. He can go to CMLL. He can go to Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact. Um, and then and then the one everybody says everybody's going to once they're released, AEW. Now, I'm going to go out on a whim and say that I don't want Andrade to go to AEW. Yeah, I don't want him to go to AEW. Not to say that he wouldn't be a great fit there. And maybe even if Thea Trinidad, Zelina Vega, would go over there and be, do the act that they did, it, it would work. But I feel like he could really do well in New Japan. Now, if he's going to go over to New Japan and face the Japanese guys, you know, the travel tricks and everything. But I really feel like he could do really well in New Japan. Just just look at the the crop of talent they have over there. You know, we talked about Will Ospreay earlier, uh, Kota Ibushi, you know, Jay White, uh, guys like Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Okada, you know, uh, Shingo Takagi, and uh, the big one being Naito. Them having history with Los Ingobernables. Yeah, not L.I.J., Los Ingobernables, the original faction in Mexico, where it was Ro... Uh, <laughs> Damn, I can't speak. Uh, Rush, Rush, whatever the fuck you want to say. Uh, Naito, uh, La Sombra, back when Andrade was known as. Uh, and I don't know any other members. I just know those three. But that's when Naito was on excursion. You know, he was learning different styles of wrestling when... Uh, you know, out it's a, a Japanese uh, wrestling culture thing. So when Naito came back, he formed L.I.J. Los Ingobernables de Japón. So Andrade and Naito already have a lot of history together. So them working against each other is is a big big match, which I'm sure we could probably save for like a big Wrestle Kingdom match. Maybe Wrestle Kingdom next year we could probably see Andrade uh, or La Sombra versus uh, Naito. Uh, you know, and then just them doing the tranqu tranquilo pose uh, <laughs> right across the ring from each other. Just uh, something, because they got to do a little callback to that. 
But I honestly think Andrade would fit the best in New Japan because I think that the match quality would be the best in New Japan. Storyline, maybe it probably will be uh, AEW, you know, because there's a lot of great guys Andrade could work over there too. You know, you got, you know, obviously Kenny Omega, uh, John Moxley, Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, uh, I'm blanking on people, uh, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. You know, we got Chris Jericho over there. You know, we got, you know, Miro, uh, Lance Archer, Darby Allen, uh, MJF. You know, a lot of great guys on the roster. You know, Christian Cage as well, being now on a, now on a AEW. I think the, the, the talent level, just all over the world, is really, really vast. Uh, it's just a huge, huge... Because wrestlers today, I think, are the best wrestlers in the world. You know, it's that's the thing. Like wrestlers today are better, are arguably better than the wrestlers of the past, and that might be a controversial statement. The only difference is that wrestlers of the past is that they had better booking and they had better storylines, whereas today it's not necessarily so much. You know, not everybody's into AEW, and, and a lot of jaded wrestling fans are just not into WWE these days and I I don't blame you I really really don't it's hard to watch but honestly that's but yeah that's where I would like Andrade to go I would like him to go to New Japan but we'll have to wait and see where he ends up so moving on a little bit um, we have some Hall of Fame announcements one I'm really happy for and I'm really excited for and this man deserves it the other Okay, let's just get the other out of the way. Uh, the other guy is the great Kali. Um, I guess, sure, why not? I mean, I was watching a list from Adam Blompier sometime last week, and it said wrestlers who were born in the who wrestled in the wrong era, who were born at the wrong time, and Kali was on this list, and like he would have worked well in the in the times of when the golden era guys for like when like you know who couldn't move <laughs> you know guys like giant gonzalez and and kali really couldn't do that but like he really would have gotten over at in that time in wrestling you know he really would have been a great uh giant heel uh opponent for hulk hogan where people would have people would have legitimately hated him but kali was not a great wrestler <laughs> I mean, when he won the Battle Royal to win, to win the vacant World Heavyweight Championship, you know, he was holding the title upside down. I remember my first wrestling show was SummerSlam 2007. It was him versus Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. And I remember, I mean, I, I do remember, like, booing, like, ah, boo, boo. I'm like, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. Boo, boo, boo. And then Kali actually comes out of the, the curtain. I'm like, oh, shit, he's really fucking tall, you know. Um, but still, the great Kali was a was a was not a great wrestler. He was a shit wrestler, honestly. He was so bad, but I guess he had enough moments for the WWE just like, yeah, we'll we'll put you in the Hall of Fame, which really anybody can get in the Hall of Fame these days, I guess. I mean, if Kali's gonna get in the fucking Hall of Fame, like surely CM Punk will go in one day. That's if he wants to. I don't think he wants to. I don't think he definitely doesn't doesn't want to go in the Hall of Fame. But anyway, my the other wrestler who deserves, who definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame is Kane. Kane was told on the bump by Undertaker that he was going to the Hall of Fame, and Kane didn't believe him at first. He's like, Are "You serious?" He's like, "Yeah, you're going in. You deserve it." And yes, he does. 
Because um, you look at all the things that that man, Glenn Jacobs, has been through in his career before he got the character of Kane. You know, he Isaac Yankum, the 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 evil dentist, fake Diesel, uh, Christmas creature. You know, he did a lot of shit gimmicks until he finally got to Kane, and Kane was his bread and butter, man. You know, at one point, Kane was like the most popular, most over wrestler in the early 2000s, and they didn't capitalize on him becoming world champion at the time, but like, but he was over, man. People loved him. He did so much great stuff. You know, obviously you can talk about the, the, the rivalry with Undertaker to death, you know, stuff he did with RVD as a tag team, stuff he did with X-Pac as a tag team, you know, the stuff he did with, um, you know, with Daniel Bryan, that's one of my personal favorite stuff that either men have done together in their career. You know, you talk about his, uh, his world title run in, uh, 2010, Arguably, it's like, ah, well, you know, he should have won it sooner. I'm like, yeah, you know, but but at the time, the World Heavyweight Championship was still on par with the WWE Championship. You know, he did so much in his career. Kane has done so much, and it's just, it just warms my heart, and I'm happy that he's going into the Hall of Fame this year, and he deserves it. The man absolutely deserves it, and I'm happy for Kane. Congratulations to Kane. You know, is, will he be the headliner? I don't know. I really don't know if it'll be the headliner or not because the whole Hall of Fame is out of whack and they're going to try and do, I think, last year and this year's together. But one person who won't be there, unfortunately, is Dave Batista. Uh, Batista had said that, you know, tweeted out saying, WWE Universe, I'm sorry, I won't be a part of this year's Hall of Fame due to the scheduling conflicts. I won't be able to make it. Um, I will go into the Hall. Of, we we have I have talked to WWE and we have agreed that I'll go in at a later date. So, yeah, Batista won't be going into the Hall of Fame this year. He was supposed to go in last year, but then obviously COVID hit. So, yeah, I I mean, if anything, they'll probably do it for WrestleMania 39, where it'll be in Los Angeles, be Hollywood. Sean and I were actually talking, the other, well, texting uh, a few days ago, and we're saying how Taker should go in next year, and then Batista should go in the following year. But I was saying that I think Taker should go in on his own. I think Taker should go in on his own, you know, have a soul, soul Hall of Fame thing, you know. But we went back and forth with that, and it's just, just a fun idea. Anyway, don't have too much time left, so I'm going to be going into what happened in uh, on uh, NXT and what happened in AEW. So, but first, let's kick things off with AEW because I really wanted to kick uh, end this podcast with NXT because I actually loved last night's episode of NXT. Sorry, last night's Wednesday night's episode of NXT. So. Uh, first and foremost, just want to say that uh, Britt Baker is the best. I will say it every single week on this podcast. Britt Baker is the best. Uh, she is my favorite female wrestler in AEW. She's the best female wrestler in AEW because she's got great characters. She cuts fucking great promos. And she had an amazing match with Thunder Rose of the week prior. Um, you know, she had a, a, a segment with Tony Schiavone. And, you know, she's saying how Thunder Rosa should be appreciative because it's because of me. Everyone's talking about this match. And that's true. That is very, very true. Mick Foley gave her props on Twitter, and she said, "Well, it took Mick, well, it took you Foley twenty years to become a hardcore legend. I did it in just one night." Oh, shots fired! Oh man, Britt Baker's just so fucking great, man. Can we please get Britt Baker the championship, please? You know, I know Thunder Rosa had a match, I mean, won the match, but Baker's got to get that title off of Sheeta, man. Come on. Let's just fucking do it already. Get Britt Baker. Give Britt Baker the championship. 
She cuts better promos than any other woman on the entire roster, and that's what you need. You need someone with the total package, and Britt Baker has the total package. Great in the ring, great character, great promos, charismatic as hell. Done deal. Just fucking do it, man. Well, maybe they're building towards it, so I can be really excited when it finally happens. Uh, Lance Archer caught a promo on Sting. Um, I'm interested to see Lance Archer versus Sting in the near future. Probably going to be double or nothing. They're probably going to save it to that because they're definitely not going to have Sting wrestle on Dynamite. But uh, double or nothing, Archer versus Sting would be good. I don't know if they're going to have Archer go over in that. I don't think they will. Just how kind of how he's been treated in recent memory. Not the bad or anything, but just not not to his full potential, I think. Uh, but that's a great uh, spot for, for Archer. Uh, Christian Cage versus Frankie Kazarian was made for next week. Christian's uh, debut match in Dynamite. Uh, very look, much looking forward to that. You know, these guys had great chemistry over in uh, in TNA uh, in TNA and Impact. And while I've s- seen some things here and there, that's what, just what I've heard. Uh, again, I was not much of a TNA kid growing up. But I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. So, uh, QT Marshall, <laughs> Mar- I'm sorry, I have to laugh. QT Marshall versus Cody is made next week. And there's actually a pretty decent segment between Cody and QT. Um, what's, what, what was really funny is that, you know, QT Marshall just like, you know, my wife, who I was sitting over there in the crowd, who I've known since eight years old, the consistency isn't good there because, you know, QT, one of the main storylines he had last year is that he was in a relationship with Allie, with the bunny. Consistency is not there, AEW. I, I just, whatever. I mean, they're just like, ah, oh, it's wrestling, you know, or probably thinking that shit. But it was a pretty decent uh, segment. It's it's the first time I've actually kind of been invested in this QT Marshall uh, storyline with Cody. So I'm down for it at the moment. We'll just see what happens, you know? Because prior to this, I wasn't. I couldn't give less of a shit about it. But I'm interested now. Uh, the Pinnacle with FTR and Sean Spears. They had a six-man tag match against the uh, Varsity Blondes and one half of the of Top Flight. I can't remember the kid's name, but uh, they beat them. After the match, MJF got on the mic, cut a promo, and saying, was calling out the Inner Circle. Tony Schiavone was in there with them, and he's saying that you know well, damn well that the Inner Circle are injured and they're not here, blah, 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 because MJF was calling them out. And then Wardlow gets close to Tony Schiavone. He's like, what's that? Tony had something to say. He's like, no, 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 fine, never mind. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Uh, MGF is claiming how they're all going to become champions in the near future. And quite honestly, I believe that. I feel like the Pinnacle are probably going to be the first uh, group of guys in AEW, the first stable that's going to have, where they're all going to have gold. I see that for FTR and Sean Spears and MJF and and, and even Wardlow. I, I think if they want to do something with the FTW championship, I don't know, maybe get have Wardlow win that. I don't know, but... Right now, Wardlow doesn't need to win the championship. I feel like Wardlow could be a guy in the future where maybe he wants to break off from MJF and then you could have, you know, do a Triple H Batista S storyline where Wardlow tries to go after the championship from MJF. But I'm just fantasy booking and going over and, and thinking way, way, way too ahead of things. Um, one thing that another thing that did happen on AEW Dynamite is that uh, Lucha Bros versus and Laredo Kid beat the Bucks and Brandon Cutler. It was a really fun six man tag team match. Um, Kenny Omega ties into this too because Kenny Omega had said on Impact uh, he he showed up on Impact Wrestling with Don Callis. So on Impact Wrestling, uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis dressed Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion. Don says Kenny is bigger than than Hackenschmidt, bigger than Gotch, bigger than the uh, Thieves. 
Thez, I think. I'm fucking that up. Big, yeah, Thez. Bigger than Flair, bigger than Hogan, bigger than Moxley, bigger than Ibushi. Don says he will do whatever it takes to ensure that legacy and greatness of Omega... Uh, he'll do whatever it takes to ensure the legacy and greatness of Omega. Don says Rich wants the best competition, so he will suck every drop of blood out of his company if it, will ha- if it helps Kenny. Kenny says the day he graced Impact with his presence was the greatest day in Impact history. Kenny tells tells Swan at Rebellion he will defeat him and take both his titles and continue to make history. So this is definitely this is definitely where we get the start of the uh, of the that belt collection thing that we're all been speculating with Kenny for so long now that he's going to take the Impact World Championship away from Rich Swan of the Rebellion pay per view. After the six-man tag match, Kenny had came out and he attacked uh, Laredo Kid, and he said, "Like, oh, look, guys, all the, I'm getting flashbacks. All the pieces of the puzzle from Fighter Fest are here. The Lucha Bros are here. We're all here." And Kenny had said to the Bucks and given them an ultimatum, pretty much, and said that three years ago he chose to leave Japan. He didn't go. To, he where the where he the fans loved him, where he loved the fans back, where they loved him for who he was. No, he didn't. He didn't stay. He didn't stay home. He's like, I didn't go to greener pastures to New York. No, I came here to AEW to make the to make this the best professional wrestling program there ever in the world. But I, he's like, but I didn't choose AEW. I chose Matt and Nick Jackson, but they never chose him. And who do you choose? You chose Brandon Cutler. So Kenny gave him an ultimatum. He's like, throw it up. And he throws up the two sweet. Throw it up or we're done. Throw it up we're, or we're done. Throw it up or we're And then the Bucks leave. It's like, fine, we're done. I don't need you. And then the Lucha Bros come in, take out Omega. And they hit a super kick with, uh, with the mic where Kenny actually is bleeding from the mouth a little bit. Then the Good Brothers come out to try and help him after the fact. So a match was needed for next week. Uh, Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers for next week's Dynamite. And the main event had John Silver versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. That was a lot of fun. This is a great match. Uh, John Silver had unfortunately hurt his shoulder, and I think an update to, uh, as of today, maybe. He says that he needed, uh, he doesn't need surgery, but he's going to be out for like four to six weeks. Um, it sucks for, John, uh, for Johnny Hungy, but I love the match, you know? And for anybody who says AEW just uses, just uses former WWE guys to try, to try and, try and, try and make their company big, like, yeah, well, the main event of this show had two of their brightest young stars in the main event, in the match. Like, that was the advertised main event. Yes, Sting came out. Yes, Matt Hardy came out later on, too. But they weren't advertised to come out. It was Sting versus John Silver. Yeah, and you say AEW just just, just, just a bunch of former WWE guys. They're utilizing their young talent. This match was a lot of fun, and at, at certain points, I kind of wanted John Silver to win, but I knew he wasn't. Darby's going to hang on to that championship for for still quite a little, long, quite a bit of time. Um, Darby won. Uh, I think he had a um, like a roll up or whatever roll up for the win. You know, they fist bumped afterwards, and then uh, Sting came out and you know checking on Darby. 
but then Matt Hardy and his uh, his family come out and they start attacking the Dark Order and it gets to a huge big brawl. Darby starts attacking Matt. They're they're attacking the Dark Dark Order's attacking the the Hardy family. You know, with Butcher Blade, Bunny, and Private Party. You know, they're they're all over the place. And it was a nice fun way to end Dynamite. Um, could we be seeing Big Money Matt versus Darby Allen at uh, at Double or Nothing, or get a nice little TV feud before Double or Nothing? Maybe it's, it's possible. I'd be down to see it. Uh, Dynamite overall, I, I enjoyed it. I really liked the the episode. You know, there was great promo segments. There were great uh, in ring action. You know, the promo segment kind of went back to back to back, but over. But then when the wrestling happened uh, afterwards, it's like oh, I completely forgot about it. But I will close things off on this podcast today with the current NXT uh, TakeOver card. Um, right now, I actually I really enjoyed NXT this week. I'm trying to get, keep, keep up with NXT with uh, TakeOver happening very soon. So night one is going to be hap- of NXT TakeOver is going to be happening on uh, the Wednesday night of WrestleMania week. So night one is going to be a gauntlet eliminator match where... Uh, the winner of that match will face Johnny Gargano for the NXT Cruiserweight, sorry, NXT North American Championship. Uh, there's going to be a triple threat tag team title match between Legato El Fantasma, MSK, and the Grizzly Young Veterans for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championship. If you did not hear, Danny Burch suffered an injury against the main event tag team match against Finn Balor and Karrion Cross the previous week, so they had to vacate the titles. Um, and then it's going to be Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT UK Championship. I th- this I mean, <laughs> besides one of the matches happening on night two, uh, well, actually for this card in general, this specific particular night, I'm looking most forward to this match. Holy shit! I never thought I'd see this match. Walter versus Ciampa for the title. I'm really looking forward to this. I like this is going to be really good. I, what I just don't want is I don't want Timothy Thatcher to come in and try and fuck Champa over because, you know, he has history with Walter. He has history in Imperium. I just don't want that. I just want the match to be good. I want it to be a straight-up brawl, and I want it to be, like, just Walter versus Champa. Maybe, maybe Thatcher comes out after the match and tries to help him, but then he joins Imperium. Who knows? The main event is Io Shirai versus Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez versus for the North... North America. I'm all fucked up today. The NXT Women's Championship. Um, that's fun too. I'm glad that Io is going to be main eventing the sh- uh, the first night. Um, and Raquel Gonzalez easily could take the championship from her, but I'll be doing uh takeover predictions within the next. Um, mm, it's going to be tough. I don't. I I've said before. I don't know what I'm going to be doing as far as the the week of. For WrestleMania week, I'm going to try. I, I might be doing two podcasts that week. I don't know. I might record one and get solely get predictions because what I do is I usually have my podcasts up. on. I do them Thursday nights and get them up to you guys on, today on Friday. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I will keep you all posted on that. Night two is going to be uh, Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin in a ladder match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Shawn Michaels had come out, and he had announced the match. So, nice little callback between him and Razor Ramon. I, I mean, I think Escobar and Devlin are going to have a, an amazing match. We've kind of been speculating since last year. You know, the winner of the t- of the t- of the Cruiser- Cruiserweight Championship tournament last year should face Jordan Devlin when the time is right. Now the time's right. Um, Johnny Gargano versus the winner of the Gauntlet Eliminator match. 
And then uh, Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross for the NXT title. And then Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly in an unsanctioned match. Now, I'm going to close out the podcast with the rest of this. First, what I'm going to say is we all saw that little tease between Adam Cole and Shawn Michaels, didn't we? We all saw it. Just a little bit, just, just a little something. And every, the internet just went wild. Adam Cole versus Shawn Michaels. Adam Cole versus Shawn Michaels. I'm like, hold on, slow your roll. In all, in all seriousness, we're probably not going to get this match. But holy shit, could you imagine if we do? I mean, when you compare Adam Cole to different wrestlers over the years, Shawn Michaels is the most comparable. You know, they have very, very similar similar uh, traits. You know, they're a lot of, they're the similar height and similar uh, style and weight, you know. I, I I mean, I think out of anybody who could really get an amazing match out of Shawn Michaels, it's a few guys. I mean, I it's it's a handful for me. I mean, it's between AJ Styles and Adam Cole. And Adam Cole versus Shawn Michaels at a takeover one day. Oh man, that would be amazing. It'll be absolutely fucking amazing. But we have to snap back to reality to quote Eminem and just say that that promo segment, that contract signing between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole was one of the best promo segments I've seen in NXT in so long. So long. This was absolutely amazing. Cole saying that he did what he had to do. He, he wanted to believe that the Understood Era was about brotherhood. It was about friendship. But it wasn't about that. It was about being the best. And that's what we were. We were the best. And I sat back and I watched you, Kyle. I watched you fight for the NXT Championship. Not only fail to capture it once, but twice. And what do you do? You have the gall to try and bring Finn Balor into the Undisputed Era? That's where I woke up and I realized the truth. I had a realization. This wasn't going to work. And I did what I had to do. You know, and Kyle gets on the mic and he is saying how three and a half years ago you when you came into this company, all we were is you, you were we were your lap dogs. Three we were we were we were four pit bulls who came in first and we wanted to take over and we wanted to change and shock the system. But I but that's what it isn't about, was it? It was all about you. We tried to make it about you. You know, he say, and he, Kyle went off and said things like, you know, I sold my soul for the Undisputed Era, and I, I can't, and I don't feel like myself anymore. I look in the mirror, I don't feel like myself anymore. Take over for the first, after I'm done with you, I sleep like a baby for the first time in years. Cole, um, at one point he tries, to, before the promo is over, he looks away and Kyle's just like, look at me when I'm talking to you, look in my eyes when I'm talking to you. The intensity between these two guys. This is my most anticipated match for TakeOver. And it's my most anticipated match for WrestleMania week. I cannot wait. Because these guys have amazing chemistry together. They've had matches over the years. Ring of Honor and PWG. This is going to be one of the best matches in NXT's history. This is going to be one of the best rivalries in NXT's history. And I think it will be better than Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano. I truly, truly think that. Towards the end of the segment, 
Kyle's going to sign the contract. Adam's just like, sign your death warrant, Kyle. Go ahead. Sign your death warrant. And right as after Kyle signed it, he said, you signed yours too. Threw the pen at him. And Adam threw the table, and they trying to get come on, come on, and they're and they're they're being they're being held up, you know, by a security guard, and they're screaming in each other's faces, you know. And after the show went off the air, there was an exclusive clip where, like, you know, they try to fight each other, and Kyle's in the ring, and Adam Cole tries to get in the ring, and he pushes William Regal away. So that that is definitely going to be that is definitely going to be the main event of night two for NXT Takeover uh, Stand and Deliver. Um. Just what what a way to end off with NXT. What what a way to sign off on this match. I'm just I'm just so excited, man. I am just so so excited. A part of me wishes like maybe they could have done this for next week. Maybe they could have done this, you know, for next Wednesday. But they probably have something else in mind. But overall, man, a lot of shit happened this week. A lot of a lot of really great stuff happened this week, and I, I'm I'm just. You know, I feel really good about WrestleMania coming up. I feel really good about TakeOver coming up. And everything around is just fucking awesome. Some of my favorite wrestlers are in some really high-profile matches. Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole, and Kyle O'Reilly. You know, uh, Will Ospreay soon with his world title against Kota Ibushi. And Kota Ibushi as well, another one of my favorite wrestlers. He's he's the fucking champion in high-level main event matches. You know, uh, MJF with the pinnacle. Uh, Kenny Omega and his story, just like everything going on all around in wrestling is fucking great. And I can't wait. Anyway, guys, this will do it for that for this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I'm gonna be putting out some polls like what is your most anticipated match for Mania Week? What are you what are you loving about it? What are you hating about it? Just everything in between. Please be sure to be following us on Twitter at TNAWP, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Be sure to like us on Facebook, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You can be listening to us at any of your podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, uh, all your all the podcast apps you can find everywhere and anywhere in between. Please be sure to also be checking out the other podcasts I do with my buddy Vinny Carini, and it's Fan Speculation, where we have done just about where we talk about Star Wars, Marvel. Right now, we are currently talking about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Our review of the first episode is up. The episode is up right now on all the podcast apps that I just mentioned. And uh, please be sure to follow those, uh, to follow us there, to listen to us there, and to be listening to my band Hollow Heroes, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, alone. New music is coming up very soon in the next week or so. So thank you all so much for listening. I've been CJ Polisano. Thank you all so much. See you next time. To make us all go